This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm very excited about this interview that we had with Gabriel Reinberg and his team at the Center for Unity Project that has been going underway now for about two and a half years. They've been working on various projects that involve bringing the narrative of the life and teachings of Jesus to life through various platforms and media. So we'll talk to some of the team members involved in the projects and where they're at with all of this, plus ways that you can participate. That's what's up next on the Urantia Radio Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm Jim Watkins, your host. I want to talk about that uh, on October 12, 1955, Into the Hands of Humanity came a four-part book designated as a new revelation of truth. It came from our unseen friends in the spirit world, and the Urantia book has resulted in the formation of thousands of study groups, hundreds of social groups who share a common belief that we have been provided with a new revelation of spiritual and historical truth. Coming on now 70 years, two generations since the book became publicly available and without any mass promotion or slick marketing, millions of people have found the Arantia book. So why bring all of this up? Well, because now we get to hear from a group of people who are taking the Arantia book to a new level of experience. It's a group called the Center for Unity, and it's comprised of people from at least four continents, if I'm counting them and from all walks of life who have come together for a common cause to do something to help the Arantia book reach even more people. Gabriel Reinberg is the head of CFU, and this November they will be making available the Discover Jesus app, an online immersive chronicle of the life and teachings of Christ, the fourth part of the Arantia book, which details the life and teachings of Jesus. So let's meet the crew. Gabriel is also dealing with a major war in Israel at this moment, which is amazing because while we're talking about this globally important project, a mere miles away, people are engaged in a bloody battle. So let's begin. How are you doing, Gabriel? Uh, thank you, Jim, for this interview and um, also for caring. It's very challenging in Israel. We're taking it one day at a time. This is a very significant event, and everybody is touched by it in one way or another. And I also fear that the entire world is touched by this event in one way or another. So keep us in your prayers. Send prayers for everybody. Um, there's no sides. There's a lot of humans suffering, a lot of humans in pain and loss. And there's this basically lose, lose everywhere. And I just pray that my personal prayer is that a thousand times more good comes out of this. And I am 
optimistic that this will happen. Maybe it will take a long time. Um, but that's that's we can we can wish and pray for that. So every time I ask myself what should I be doing with my time, I come back to the same answer. You know, double down on telling people that there are children of one divine parent and we are all brothers and sisters, even and especially when it's very hard to comprehend how humans treat each other. There's pain and suffering for everybody involved. Um, and so uh, I just double down and I one day at a time I, I do what I can and I'm, I'm grateful that I have this opportunity to continue working. An amazing, amazing team. Why don't you introduce the team? Uh, who do we have uh, joining us today on the program? So Mike is our project manager for the Discover Jesus app. Santiago and Lisa are executive team members of the CFU, the Center for Unity. Uh, Lisa is in charge of fundraising and marketing. Santiago is in charge of cinematic and marketing. And we're basically doing a lot of things, all of us. Gary is the artistic director. Oh, yeah. And everything visual that you see uh, is by his hands. Uh, Lisa Tao, his wife, is the UI, UX lead. We have a large team of uh, writers, uh, editors. Gary also paints all the pictures. Frazier is our lead software developer. He's basically responsible for implementing the front end and back end. It's quite complicated. The software is, is not trivial, and he's one of the best. He's got 40 years of experience. And over time, we had, you know, I'm, I'm just now for the launch preparing a little party, and I wrote down everybody who was part of this team over the last two and a half years, and it's almost 30 people, three zero. So there's a lot of people who contributed, and by my estimate, it's tens of thousands of hours of work, uh, mostly volunteer work. So this is a significant project. The Center for Unity has a couple of different projects. The chief one that we're going to talk about is Discover Jesus, I think scheduled to be launched worldwide on the 15th of November. Is that right, Mike? How, how are things going? Is it going to happen? Yeah. And are you ready <laughs> for the world to embrace it? <laughs> What's the process to launching this thing? And then we'll delve into what Well, it's, yeah, I mean, to your first question, it is definitely our intent to have it uh, launched and available on a public URL on November 15th. And we're readying uh, on many fronts to enable that to happen. Uh, it is not uh, to say that it it is the complete and finished and final product. Um, it is a work in progress. And as much as we continue to write to uh, other portions of part four of the Rancho book, so there, uh, there's a sufficient amount of content and images that we felt comfortable to release publicly what is available now as we continue to work and develop more content, more images, um, and and release those incrementally as we go. So, you know, we're probably, these are rough estimates, you know, probably about a quarter of the way or a third of the way optimistically to uh, how much content it will have ultimately by the time it's all done. But we'll have in excess of 100 images and articles on people and events and topics and um, objects and groups and other uh, segments that we curate from part four of the book. There's a lot of development work. There's a lot of behind the scenes things that that Gabriel can probably expand on more yeah. that, uh, that go into 
are planning to uh, to launch. And it can be added to. So this isn't like a finished product that you just mentioned. You're a third of the way through, which means you know what the what ultimately it's going to look like when it's done. And for those who have not experienced it, it will blow you away. So I have to assume there are people that don't know about the Arantia book that listen to the podcast. They discover it. So I want to be as clear with them as the seasoned. So imagine you have uh, 700 pages of Jesus's life that's narrated like a true biography. What these people are doing is they're bringing this together in a format that allows you to cross-reference all of the details that are contained in this 700-page text. So all of the people that are in Jesus's life, where he visited, what day he visited, what happened, how is this person connected to that person? And it's all done in a very easy-to-digest platform that's unbelievable. I think this will change the way that people look at Jesus's life. And they'll see the interconnectedness of all these seemingly incongruent points, and yet they're all related. And it shows the majestic way in which he connected everybody, even his trips to Rome he planted the seed so that when the later apostles would get to Rome, the, the teachings would be more receptive. You know, and that's that kind of planning that can only come from a creator's son who had unlimited knowledge. But it's, it's, it's laid out. So how did this add to your appreciation? And feel free, anybody can jump in on that question. Well, I'll say first that uh, to your point about the interconnectedness of the, of the, the parts of the book, and the story, it's its amazing when you, part of my job in, in editing and doing technical editing for the app was to find all of the connections between people and events and people and groups and topics and dates. And so, you know, finding how much it interconnects to itself uh, in terms of self-referencing and knowing about uh, who was involved and what event and where it took place and when it happened is is really fascinating. It really brought the text to life for me and to really appreciate the complexities in the, in the narrative and the story. And so it, it was a great learning tool. I would have done it, you know, even if we weren't creating this project, it would have been a, a valuable experience for me to, uh, to interconnect all of those elements. Mike didn't reference this, but he's also doing like the bulk of the editing of the people that are contributing the writing. And so they're taking the person, they're taking the event, they're taking the topic, they're taking the place, and they are using the Urantia book as the text, but they are writing it in language that is accessible and easy to understand by people today. And then Mike edits that. And he, um, I had such writer's block doing the death of Joseph, that it's not a huge event as far as the number of words that you need to write, but I just, it was so impactful in the life of Jesus that I would get emotional just thinking about it. So Mike was like, just do it, just dive in and then we'll edit it. And in doing it, I think it, I'd read it several times, but in writing it in words that other people would be able to access some of it, I don't know, it made me feel it more deeply. It made me appreciate the fact that he didn't get to be there and the family grieved so much that they didn't get to have that final blessing from Joseph. And Mike was just a dream to work with and edited it and uh, 
was encouraging along the way. And I know that that takes an enormous amount of time for the team as well. This is Santiago. Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, I think that the day and age that we live in with so much communications and the way that we process information nowadays, it's very important to have this app, this, uh, I mean, we're in a world that not only really and technically advanced, but very individual in that sense. I mean, and now it's a time where people understand and, and research and learn by themselves. So to have the story of uh, Jesus as portrayed in the Urantia book, which I think for all of us was uh, really a life changer, you know, from knowing the, the traditional Gospels to this expanded version of, of his life and teachings. But to be able now to process it in an individual way through the technologies that we have, I mean, we're bringing Jesus closer to uh, not only young people, but anybody that wants to learn more about him and that wants to take out the teachings um, that he brought. So I think it's crucial for, for our time to have something that is in the language and in the, in the way that people now experience uh, learning. Yeah, it's kind of like having, you know how Wikipedia is structured where you're reading something on any subject and you've got links that cross-reference. Well, this is like that, but on steroids. And uh, a gentleman who's just joined us is Gary Tong, whose uh, artistic contribution, it's good to see you, and we'll get to you. And I want to talk about the AI element of this, because in, in Mike Thompson's article, I think you you delved into, and it was Gabriel describing how he used, Gary used AI when creating some of the imagery that Mike's talking about that's going into the, it's just unbelievable. Words cannot describe when you're seeing pictures that depict the scene in which you're reading about. It's unbelievable. Now, I don't know about everyone else, but I was already a believer in Jesus before I read the Urantia book. All the, the Urantia book just substantiated and enlarged that connection above and beyond what I could have possibly have imagined. So as a Christian reading the Urantia book, I didn't find the Urantia book as a repudiation of the Bible. But there are people who do. We have to imagine, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is. So how is this book going to be received by the Christian community? And what have, what experiences have you had so far in showing this to your Christian friends? I'll just say that I was born Jewish. And until I was probably 40 years old, I knew almost nothing about Jesus. I knew he was crucified. I knew he was from Nazareth. And of course, I knew that he is connected to Christianity. It's, it's, the, it's the center of Christianity. And that's all I knew. Uh, so for me, the Arantia book has been a life changer in understanding who Jesus was, is, and, and most importantly for me is understanding that the seeds and the, the teachings that he left for us are going to pave the path for the evolution of humanity forward. There's one quote in the Arantia book that really touches me very deeply, and it's when the midwayers who are celestials who were involved in this revelation and are still here, they said that, and they're talking to us humans, they said, you've never really tried the experiment of living what Jesus told you to do, which is treat each other not just as neighbors and love each other as neighbors, but as brothers and sisters, because you have a divine parent. So there's two aspects. Each one of us is uniquely and infinitely loved by a divine parent. 
And if you believe in something bigger than you, and you say it's a supreme force or it's nature, or some people call it God, but when he said this thing, this being is a parent, and we all have parents, we may not all be parents, but we all have parents, so we understand. And then he said, because of that, your brothers and sisters, and then live that. What would this world look like if we do that in our relationships, in business, in politics, in economics, in theology, in every aspect of our lives? That's the experiment that we are asked to implement. And it will take many years to do, but I think these projects that we're working on have a little role in showing this in great detail to people who would like to take on that experiment and letting them understand what is it that he did 2,000 years ago in laying the foundation for our path forward as humans. And especially in this time, you know, I posted something online. I didn't post much, but I posted something that was very difficult for me to grapple with. Jesus said, love your enemies. And in this day, in this week, Ooh. in this country, the country of Israel, that teaching is the most difficult of all. How on earth am I supposed to love my enemies? It's right. so difficult. I can, I can understand a little bit. Of course I can. <laughs> but, you know, love my enemies? No. Right. And that's exactly what he said. So, of course, I'm falling way, 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 way short. But what does it really mean? And how will this world look like when we all manage to love our enemies a little bit more? And I will say very clearly, I am completely not uh, condoning any of the behavior that was exhibited uh, in the history of this conflict that I'm part of or the, the recent uh, part of this. So it has nothing to do with the, the local events. It has everything to do with how we treat each other as humans. And this is basically what Jesus one of the things that he came to teach us. So I hope that by, by the things that we're doing, one more person can understand for their own and to say, you know what? I really got, I, I am going to try. I'm going to do my best to meet another person and treat them as my brother or as my sister. What does it really mean? And how do I do it even when it's very, very, very hard? Um, yeah. I think that's the main, main thing that I pray and hope that this will result in. Lisa, you want to say something? I was just going to say that I think what Gabriel is talking about is that many people don't have that understanding of love. They think love means that you're all just, oh, you're the best person in the world. Um, and that's not what you mean by talking about loving your neighbor. It's not saying that whatever they do is fine and that they can do whatever they want. And I feel like Jesus and his very own family showed us what it's like to love your family when Jude was very difficult and his two of his other brothers were ready to boot him out of the family. Like he was just really not falling in line and he was an embarrassment and he was not living right. And Jesus talked to them and said, hey, lead by example and show him the love in your own life. And he managed to help hold that family together when two of them were ready to kick Jude out to the curb. Um, yeah. So that's, love. that's the kind of love we're talking about. And hopefully it comes through because uh, if, if, if as being a, a Christian, 
if I had stumbled upon this Discover app, my first question might not be, well, how do they do all this? My first question might be, wow, how did they, this is a different story than I'm used to. You know, mm. I'm not, I'm not, there's all this detail about this guy. I just thought he walked on water and went around and handed fish out to everybody, you know, and uh, we all have to do this, you know. Um, so do you think that this will be well received by the Christian community? Maybe that's a better question. Anybody thoughts? And and it, the reason is, is because we're sort of, there are cousins, you know, in this, in this plan. We have to acknowledge that we share a lot of the same similarities. We're connected. They may not want to admit it, but we know better. I, I would love to address this because when you mentioned that you were a Christian and so you didn't find anything, you, you didn't discover Jesus through the Urantia book. It just enhanced your knowledge of who Jesus was. I was raised Christian, conservative, fundamentalist. I was a pastor's daughter, knew the Bible very well. And I had gone through a bit of um, an evolution in my own journey to the place where I called myself a Christo-Buddhist, that Jesus was my teacher, but I did not align myself with Christianity as a religion. And when I discovered the Urantia book... Part of the many, many tears that I shed was that it gave me back Jesus as my sovereign, as my creator son, as as a beloved son of God who created this universe. And that I think that there are many people who have stopped calling themselves Christian or identifying as religious Christians who say they are religious but not Christian who this would appeal to. Yeah. And it definitely appealed to me. Good point. Mike or uh, Gary or Santiago? Just wanted to add to that. I was I was raised Catholic, and I, I think this is a story that all the persons here in this call have heard it a long, uh, many times. But uh, I became sort of disenfranchised with uh, the Catholic Church because a lot of the things didn't make sense. You know, I mean, especially what I mentioned is the Trinity. When they explained it to me, it was like, okay, there's one God, three people. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's three gods? No, no, no. It's one God, three people. I don't get it. And they would just brush it up and say, well, that's the the mystery of the Holy Trinity. You're not supposed to get it. And I just took that when I was younger, you know, but then I grew up, uh, started questioning a lot of the, the, the fundamental teachings about Christianity, such as the atonement, um, and I didn't really, not that I didn't understand, but didn't really bought into that. And uh, then I rediscovered and I went through a similar path as Lisa and I, I studied, the, you know, the Eastern uh, religions and kind of enhanced uh, my spirituality and then rediscovered Jesus through the, the Rancher book and fell back in love to what he is, you know, what he did, who he is, uh, and, and finally got my answers explained. So I think if you just take the the whole Christianity and bunch them all together, of course, it's not they're not all the same colors. You know, there's people that might be too uh, attached to their beliefs, and this is going to cause some you know discrepancies or uh, pushback. But other people that are not, you know, they they believe in Jesus, but really don't understand a lot of the concepts about the church, the dogmas, and everything. This will take all that away. This will, like it did to, to many of us, clean the slate, you know, and, and, and approach Jesus without all those, all that baggage that you sometimes have when you're 
you're in an institutionalized religion. And something you said earlier, Santiago, is nowadays everybody, they're, they're getting information on a more personal, individual level. So this uh, Jesus Disco Discover Jesus app, allow, it, it makes that possible. Uh, Gary, I want to bring you in. You're the artist here, and you've contributed so much. And I, I'm not the first one to tell you this, but I really have appreciated what you've been doing. Now you're involved in this, the, uh, a lot of projects, and you're using AI, and everybody's kind of nervous about AI. So tell us how you integrate AI into providing the illustrations that are in this app. When I first was reading about AI, I uh, I was I was a, a little bit concerned about it because the way it infringes on what is effectively copyright. But when I read a bit more about it, I um I came to a, an ethical position that if you're not trying to earn profit from using it, then I think it's okay to use it, so, and, and that is was pivotal to me um, uh, in choosing to use it to create the work. For um, the Center for Unity's Discover Jesus app, and I mean, that, to talk around AI a little bit, you know, that AI is never going to have mind. I mean, it, it, you can add a label to whatever you want, but it's, you know, AI is, is is something that's extraordinarily good at doing automation, or or in, when it comes to visualization, compositing billions of images to get, uh, together to, to find something that approximates what you might need. And so I, I, so my position on AI is it can be a very powerful tool when it comes to creating art, but it's only really powerful in the hands of an artist. You need to know what you're trying to do with it. Uh, yeah. you, you could Anybody could use it, and you can type a bunch of prompts, and you can get some results, and those results um, vary in, uh, in quality. And sometimes you'll get something that's wonderful. Sometimes you'll get something that doesn't make much sense. Sometimes you might get something that's pretty funny. Uh, but as, a, as, as an artist tool, when I use it, when I use it for the uh, Discovered Jesus app, I use it with the mind of getting something that's somewhat of an approximation, and then I I paint over that, and I or I add to it, or I maybe more render uh, two AI images and then use some of my own work and then mix them all together to get the, the final result. Uh, so I, I treat it like a tool, but what what, what it's where it's really important for me on this app is we would not be able to create the body of art without the buttressing of AI, um, and um, if it, if it wasn't for the scaffolding that AI gives, and some of it sometimes it's much more than scaffolding. They, they, I wouldn't be able to make as many images. It would be floundering on like a, a tenth of the images that we have uh, currently. It gives you the image, uh, a working image, and then you add to that by layering it with different kinds of coloring and shades and things of that nature. It it, it depends. So it, sometimes yes, there's a lot of that. Sometimes there's a little bit left of that. Um, uh, I know also you cultivate the way to prompt it. So uh, it, it's 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 kind of obfuscating what the result will be sometimes you have to you, you, you i thread my prompts in a way that you that are kind of unusual to get the result it, you can't just tell it something in plain english like if you dropped a uh your ranch book quote about jesus and joseph into it it wouldn't know what to right. do. it comes back with something abstract it doesn't know yeah so it's kind of like triggering it i try i, I try and sympathize with the algorithm i guess which is an anthropomorphic Dichotomy, not, but uh, I, I, I try and sympathize with it and try and imagine what what I'd like to get it to look at when I'm when I'm 
pointing its data, uh, its algorithm at data, and um, and so I get better results. Although it isn't, it certainly isn't super fast. Like uh, I was working on an image, and I can't remember which one it was for the Discover Jesus a couple of days ago, and it took me three hours to get the uh, the the end end prompt results sometimes they're fast sometimes they're not sometimes they require multiple passes sometimes you're fiddling around with it and i talk to other people who do, do that use it the same way you know it's also i see it as, as, as a viable tool as somebody who used to be a, a concept artist and a concept art director it would be a really viable tool now it definitely is transforming how people might start their creative process or use their creative process but it definitively does not take the artist away I think a lot yeah. of people thought it would, but it, it doesn't. Um, uh, but but it but it is it is something that's actually turned into. I, I've gone from being really reluctant um, uh, to use it to, to being to believing that I don't think we'd be able to do this without it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thankful for that because I, I think we it, the discover Jesus really requires some um, illustration, uh, not just yeah. data rich. It does. It needs to be a, yeah. a media rich uh, experience as well. Otherwise, it just um. It's just too much to read uh, without yeah. anything to sort of... Uh... I think I've seen like two or three images. And it, from what I could see, they really capture the essence and the mood of what you're reading. And that enhances the experience of taking this information in. You could say that, that my understanding of the Urantia book and, the, and part four of the Urantia book helps too. So I'm being an artist True. and a revelation student with, with utilizing uh, AI. So it, because I, I read through the lines of it, I'm like, what are, what is what am I emotively feeling when I read that? And then... I'll cultivate that prompt and what I'm, what I'm trying to get uh, from that. So, you 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 integrate music and the artistry and the imagery real well. Are you also a musician? No, um, uh, the person that does the music on uh, 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 our videos is called Jeremy Daigle. Uh, he's mm. I trust him implicitly. He he really knows what he's doing. <sighs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a symbiosis the way that that we work together. Um, and uh, yeah, he he really gets what um. I'm doing, and it's funny. But I don't want to go. I won't go off on a tangent too much. But when we're making these videos, because I'm just giving myself to try and make the best possible revelatory secondary works as I can, I'll make like sections of effects or, or diagrams or whatever else I'm doing, and I, I'll just guess at how long they need to be. When I start slotting them into the edit, they end all, almost always end really? up being exactly the length I need them to oh. be, and the music ends up synchronizing as well. So I, I honestly feel a lot of the time I'm kind of to the side of whatever's going on and it's happening past me and i'm quite happy to do that you know, i don't want credit for the work i want the work to make a positive impact um well that's jeremy, sort of what this whole thing without about. jeremy i would be yeah. lost so and the yeah. same it goes with andre redated who's not here but like he he uh, works on this project too but andre voices uh, a lot of the videos or paula thompson does without these people i collaborate with just like in this group here the end result would be significantly less good uh, I believe wholeheartedly in the teamwork that the Orange Book speaks about. Okay, so we have this project. The app comes out November 15th. It's free. More accurately, a web app or a web application. Now, there's, there's a few reasons why, but the main reason became evident way after we so-called took this decision. And if you imagine all the texts of... Uh, that we're writing, and, and of course all the paintings, are going to be scraped by the Google algorithm, by yeah. the Bing algorithm, and by any present and future companies that are looking for information to train their, the future large language models. So what we're writing is going to go in 
many, many places that we don't even know. If it was all inside an app, then that would not be possible. Ah, I see. I, I would say that this version is optimized for a large screen, so a desktop computer or maybe an iPad. But we are working in parallel on a version that will look great and will have the same exact information but arranged differently on the screen for smaller formats. Uh, how are the donations? Let's talk about that a little bit. We're, obviously, this is an important project. What's the reception? Are you are you getting people? I'm hoping people listening to this program will help because that's it's an important project. I'm so glad you asked. We have a very exciting opportunity right now. Donations have been fairly steady, but slow. I think to date we have around 170, 180 donors that have gotten us this far. But we have a very exciting opportunity. An anonymous donor made a $100,000 matching fund donation to us. And they said between now and December 31st, whatever is donated to the Center for Unity, they will match up to $100,000. And okay. we that started the first week in September, and we are now about $50,000 dollars into that and we really want to be able to access all of those matching funds before the end of the year so we're really putting out a push and we've created what is called a peer-to-peer -peer campaign because this is really bigger than what any one of us can do by ourselves and like the urantia book tells us that if you know 10 people if they're all just trying to lift on their own um can do about the same as one person lifting on their own but if we all join together and lift at the same time we can get it forward so we're really looking for people to help us climb this mountain and get the word out and with this peer-to-peer -peer campaign they can go to the fundraising page make their own fundraiser on behalf of it have a unique URL to share. And if they could find two, three, four people that we wouldn't be able to reach, that they could find who would be willing to donate to us, that would be astonishing. Okay. And the really cool thing is that monthly donations are so important to us because it helps give us a sustaining base that we know monthly how much we're getting in. And when we have you know, someone who's helping with the software that we need to pay, we need to be able to pay our bills and we don't want to commit to paying someone if we don't know what money's coming in. Yeah. If someone makes a commitment of I'm going to give $25 a month, the matching fund will pay 12 months of that upfront. So if I say I'm going to give 25, the matching fund says, okay, here's $300. I'm, I'm listening to this. Where do I go to donate and find out more about this particular project? Would that be? If you, if you go to the center for unity website, there is a bar at the top of the website that says join the challenge. And if you click on that, it'll take you to the page where you can then scroll down just below. If, if you don't want to do that and you want to donate, that's lovely. We'll take that too. But if you scroll down and say, I want to fundraise for this, it'll walk you through. It takes two minutes to set it up. And then you have a unique link that you can email to your friends or share on, on social media and say, could you help us? Okay. There's other projects you guys are working on that are uh, exciting as well. The Jesus Experience, the Cinematic Jesus, the Ask Jesus chat box. So how are all of these other projects now? Everything is moving along 
in parallel because we have different teams working on different things. Mm -hmm. So Santiago here is working on the cinematic. Ah. Um, I'm working on on the Ask Jesus. Uh, you met before. Um, they're not here today, but you've met Rick and Steven. They're part of the Experience Project. So just to recap very quickly, we've launched uh, the recent version of the Ask Jesus chatbot has in its memory the entire Urantia book encoded uh, in chatbot memory. It's different than every chatbot that was trained on the internet probably read the Urantia book. This is different because we took each paragraph and specifically encoded it in a way that the chatbot can access. And with each question that you ask it, it's going first to this memory of the Urantia book and is wow. getting the relevant paragraphs before it makes the before it formulates an answer for you. How long did that so take? That must have taken five years. Who, who uh, that did was that? A, uh, <laughs> that was a one month <laughs> one month worth of work. That's a million uh, a million words, right? Isn't somebody told me once there's a million words in the Urantia book? He was doing it hours and hours a day, and he had a huge smile on his face every time I'd see him, and he'd say. This is just like fun for me. I've been doing it for four hours. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> okay, I'm glad it's fun for you. I, I have to say that I'm super excited because there's three young, young, like in, not I, they're millennials, but they're young millennials mm -hmm. and, or maybe even Gen Zs. So there's two of them that are in their 20s and one that is in his 30s. And, uh, and I've been chatting with them on Urantia forums and they, all three of them have um, are joined this team. So now I have, we are four, and they're going to crank up uh, future versions, all of us together, of this chatbot. So there's so many other things we can do to make it a real tool for your bunch of book students to study the revelation. Yeah, it's really like nothing else. You know, it complements everything else. It's it's much more than a search engine, because you can have a conversation. Really, so you can imagine. This is like ha um, talking to a very, very advanced Urantia book student who knows everything by heart, the entire book by heart, and also understands the concept. Of course, not the same way a human would, but in a different way, but still can converse with you. So, and this technology is continually being updated. So wow. we're going to be keeping working on this. How do I get my hands uh, on this? This is uh, amazing. It's on our website. It is? Okay. So it's like a, a resource, really. You can, yeah. if you're writing a paper or if you, instead of, because like today I went and tried to find a passage and I looked through 300, you know, paragraphs. This, I could just ask it, right? And it'll just tell me the answer. Yeah. We're working so that the next version will give you references to the Arantia book and hopefully accurate ones. It's not that easy, but there's... We have future versions that we that were, are going to make it even more useful than it is today. Today, it's doing very well with concepts and ideas and less well with facts. So if you ask it, you know, tell me about uh, how many planets are in this section of the minor sector, he might not get it right because the way it's encoded the information, he doesn't really have access to specific numbers. But with the new version, we're going to be combining a search engine with a chatbot and so that you can get both at, at one sitting. I do want to say before I give uh, the, the floor to Santiago to explain what we're doing in cinematic, um, 
the Jesus Experience project has finished the, the conceptual design, a, a preliminary conceptual design. We produce a beautiful, beautiful donor's kit and a video. And we're now forming a steering committee uh, of prominent and leading names in the world of Jesus and his story. They're not Urantia Book students. All of them are going to be mm. not Urantia Book students. And this body will steer the production of the content in a way that really caters to everybody. Mm. And so this is really a unique proposition. Uh, of course, we believe that the Urantia Book is a revelation, but like you said, many people around the world still don't know it. And we still want to talk to them. So yeah. we're making an effort with th this steering committee to attract people who are very knowledgeable about the historical Jesus, about Christianity, about archaeology of the Galilee, about what happened on this planet because Jesus was here during the last 2,000 years. And this is a multidisciplinary work. So I think it's a narrative like no other. And I don't think anybody attempted to tell that story uh, in that many details of not only what happened 2,000 years ago, but what happened since yeah. because of the ideas of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, yeah. So it's now taking the next step, and I'm going to yield. <laughs> okay. I and was just going to insert really, really quick that one of the recent developments of the Jesus experience has been the... Um, addition of the idea that we want to capture people's experience of Jesus from around the world to be able to share there and online. Mm -hmm. um, and people can record in video or audio format their experience of Jesus so that we can share what we're calling my Jesus experience. And we got our first submission, audio submission of that. And I listened to it and I was weeping at the end. Yeah. So it is, it will be a way that all of us can experience it even without going to the Sea of Galilee. Uh, before I get to Santiago, because I want to spend a little time on the cinematic Jesus, are you guys thinking maybe you could take what you've done with the fourth part of the book and do it for the third part, the second and the first? Or is that even feasible? It's completely feasible, but it's such a large project that we will have to have to attract a larger group of like people. Like you'd need about a million dollars to do that, wouldn't you? We can use the same technology that we've already developed. It's it's writing and it's it's creating this web of, yeah. it's a graph basically. That takes thousands and thousands of hours. I, I'm hoping and I'm already trying different things that large language models can help us. Because like I said, it's like, a very intelligent, different type of intelligence, human, sorry, non-human, who understands the Urantia book in its own way, and we can ask it to help us mm -hmm. generate uh, the, the information. When we started doing this um, for part four, this technology was existing, but nobody knew about it. Only very, very few people were working with it. And you, we have to remember it's it's really been out for a year and we've been working on this project for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So, but now I think it, it is possible to use this technology to speed up the process of generating the information and perhaps also writing accessible essays that basically are secondary works. I think it's, it's going to be much easier still. There's going to be humans and 
I think long-term Uranjabug students that are going to steer this project and make sure that everything is really uh, of high quality. And, and when those large language models don't get it right, there's a human there to correct it yeah. because we still need it. Just like Gary um, basically takes that as a tool, we can use that as a tool. Uh, but I haven't started thinking about that. I, I hope that if somebody is listening to the, this podcast and gets excited and goes to our website and see yeah. sees what we did for part four and they approach us, then we can start thinking about parts one, two, and three, which I think is is really something we should do. Yeah. All right. And, and there is a place on the website where people can let us know if they want to volunteer. Okay. What about uh, – now, you weren't on the call earlier, Santiago – but we were talking about uh, George Lucas and that you had read that he did, in fact, read the Urantia book. And that did have some influence on Star Wars. Do you know anything about that? Oh, well, I don't know exactly about that, uh, but I am a Star Wars fan. Uh, my my son is called Luke and my daughter, one of my daughters is called Leah. So <laughs> that's always something that I... When somebody tells me I'm a big Star Wars fan, I, I tell my kids' names and say, beat that. <laughs> so, uh, but I do know that um, he studied, he was a, a student of Joseph Campbell, and I think Joseph Campbell really took the, the, the mythical story, which is, I think, more important uh, than in many, many cases, religion, because that really molds us and gives us a purpose in life. If we don't have a mythical story of ourselves and how we identify within our universe i mean there's no there's no point to it so i'm a, I'm a real fan of star wars and all the mythical uh, stories and um i mean diving into into what were the project that we're we're headed in which i'm, I'm working hand in hand with stephen marvel who actually knows george lucas and has uh, worked with him in in some other projects uh we're developing something that is uh, putting context. I mean, it's a huge project, and I think it's not just only a feature film or a streaming series, but what we started with is a story that puts context of not only the, the, the earthly situation and where Jesus was born into, but the galactic or cosmic situation of our universe uh, with uh, the Lucifer Rebellion and uh, what everything was happening in the evolution of our planet and our universe. So we put that into context, and I always like to say this isn't your, your Jesus' grandma. I mean, your grandma's uh, Jesus, and, yeah. and that we're telling the same story of the Gospels, but we're giving another context where we can put him as a hero. And I think that's very important for, for new generations to see uh, Jesus as this hero that evolved from just uh, the human aspect into the divine aspect and that really is something that is mentioned a lot in the urantia book that we not only need to see jesus as our divine creator but also as our mortal uh brother that had to struggle through the same trials and tribulations that we we struggle with and and then once we create that that uh, uh context then we can bridge that and and show people that Jesus is a hero, and that he's, I mean, the, the first hero, I think, and, and, or, or the, the top hero about this, uh, people can relate to it and can understand him better than just to see him as this all-powerful, mighty, all-knowing person, but that he had to go through a lot of struggles. And something that I always think about is how did he accept his fate, you know, and, and to be 
tortured and crucified and, and, and deal with it in such a graceful manner um, that is really, you know, that just takes you away, you know, and, and, and trying to figure yeah. out how can you address your own trials and tribulations in that same manner. So we're working on that story. Uh, we're bringing in the story of uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, like I Alma uh, always mentioned and uh, Joseph was just the, the the donkey handler you know he was something uh, very important in Jesus's life uh, fundamentally yeah and how the, the the family relationship developed is very important so if you don't have all that context to understand Jesus it's going to be hard uh and I've often wondered how the Arantia book stories everything from Adam and Eve could be cinematic what kind of impact that would have uh, I bring up Star Wars a lot because to me that's the gateway drug to the Urantia book, because the premise. If yeah. you if you see some of the early, uh, uh, there's a film clip you'll find it on YouTube where George Lucas is describing to his cast of directors and producers and props people and everything. He's describing the Force, and it sounds like he's reading right out of Part One of the Urantia book, uh, and and the drama that continually plays itself out on the universal level as well as the local level. So uh, so that's exciting. So there's sound, it, it's great. The Center for Unity is involved in these projects. Uh, are you going to be involved in future projects that you're now starting to think about and formulate, or is this enough in, in the in the cup? You know, we're, we're launching this, uh, the web app on November 15th, and we're gonna send an invitation to everybody to join the party. And I made a presentation and I showed it to Sandra, and the main, my main answer to your question is, only our father knows. Nah. But he's full of surprises, because if I look back even six years, none of this was in my head or anybody's head. Uh, but it was there potentially, and then we as a team had to walk. You know, it's like a yellow brick road. And when we do the action, and, you know, Gary and I spent hundreds of hours talking two and two and a half and three years ago where there was nothing. We were just talking and brainstorming. And, and he said, there's always a confluence of things happening and it's divinely time. And so things arrive, people arrive, um, yeah. resources arrive, time and treasure when we're ready. And I know that the, this team and the, the people who will join us down the road uh, we can do beautiful things for this revelation. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you said is is looking at the entire Rancho book. We have one more project that we're start, we started to work on, which we call the Shared Journeys platform, which is basically a framework for sharing um, spiritual journeys with other people. And this is way bigger uh, than the Rancho book community because you know, I'm looking at myself 15 years ago in the beginning of my spiritual journey. I had nobody to talk to. My father and, and my mother was already graduated. My father thought I was crazy. My brother thought I was crazy. My wife at the time thought I was crazy. None of my friends understood the things that I was going through. And when I started working with people who were understanding that there is a spiritual dimension, and they were telling me things that I did not understand, and I tried so many things in my journey. Um, I was dreaming of a place where 
people who are on a spiritual journey can come together and share and benefit from each other's understandings. And this is non-denominational. It's not necessarily about the Arantia book. The Arantia book is just one one aspect or one source of spiritual yeah. teachings. Uh, yeah. And we understand, and, and the numbers show, that the younger generations of today self-identified as spiritual but not religious or nothing the nuns. they're still yearning. yeah the nuns mm -hmm. they're still yearning uh the john templeton foundation recently awarded 2.2 million dollars to study this phenomenon of what they call the spiritual yearners and what they need so they're thinking this is important to study uh and no, this is what this is the context of. We would like to set up a, a a place, a safe place where anybody who's on a spiritual journey can come and share, and uh, and so the chatbot, the Discover Jesus app, and other things that Santiago and Lisa and I are working on uh, with other people are going to be elements of this grand vision. And even this vision is four months old because before that we couldn't see it, so we were yeah. doing little things. And now all of a sudden, the Father gives us a bigger picture. And so um, I know that I am personally devoted to this uh, ministry uh, until I draw my last breath, wherever that might be. And I don't know. Uh, so this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I'm sure somebody will put ideas, bring people and time and treasure so that we can do more um, and, you know, I think we're just getting started, um, and yeah. it's exciting. Uh, well, listen, I want to say one thing to Gary. We all want to, you, you've been to the Vegas ball yet? Have you seen the giant Las Vegas? Have you seen it? I bet, have you gone? And I've, I've seen it. It well, looks pretty impressive. We want to, we want you to create the visual of, of Havona and Nebadon and the whole thing. And we want you to take it over to them. And we'll introduce the world to the Arantia book through the visions of your work. How's that sound? Can you do that? That sounds that sounds fun. But you know, it's uh, uh, the first work I did for the Arantia book back in 2001 was four illustrations. Uh, one of them is known; it's just used by everyone all over the planet unwittingly. But I, ironically, I will show, I'll show you. In, I'll show you in a second. Um, uh, but anyway, um, I was at the time I was just idealistic and i was telling everyone they should be reading the orange book and i really wanted to paint the grand universe the math universe but now 25 years after that, that idealistic time um i'm much more reluctant to, to attempt it yeah well <laughs> I, uh, I i have a i have a significantly higher understanding of what it must be like there i could feel it but i know that i can't transmute that feeling into something that's intellectual but let me show you something that's pretty funny this is from quite a long time ago and a friend of mine asked me um, about it a couple of days ago, so I got it down from upstairs. And um, it was a, an article by Stephen Hawking in a German, um, I won't butcher the name of the German science magazine, but he was talking about the multiverse, and they asked, he, I, I presume he asked, to use my artwork <laughs> as proof of the multiverse. And I don't know where I it is. I that looked familiar. Center. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, so he, I mean, and I don't know what he thinks. It's, it's trans, translated into German, but here's his, Synopsis of the multiverse, using an image that I've written from the Arantia book underneath as a credit line. Uh, did he um, give you credit? So, 
Yeah, yeah, they did. And this is the funny thing about this image, actually, because the, the errors in that image, uh, uh, when I get too technical, I, I, I'll point it out again. Uh, the the configuration of a Vonton that I've painted yeah. there is, is wrong. Right. I know it's wrong. Now. And I know that because I've studied it a lot more and I'm, I I hang out with Andre Redatis and made it very clear that we're, we, yeah. we need to do a better job. Uh, but, but what make that error actually makes it more approachable for people to enjoy the image because mm. it's more like what people expect to see in the universe. Yeah. The configurationally, they expect uh, the Milky Way or Avantan to look like Andromeda, and it, they don't. It's very, uh, 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 where we live is a modular super universe. But the, the, the error, quote-unquote, um, actually makes it far more easier for people to look at it. And then some people come to me and they'll, they'll say, oh, I read the Orange Book because I saw your painting. But they saw a painting that was erroneous but a, 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 a closer step a smaller step for them it made it easier and, and and this is something that we need to be conscious about all the time and i think that's what the discover jesus app does is what jesus always did was meet people where they were don't challenge people's current uh, beliefs give them something new give it to them in a way that they can understand it that they that, that feels appropriate to them and not threatening and then let time and their own efforts push out the old and let the new in. That's all you need to do. And, and I, I, I recognize that with the newer work I do, even though I'm much more fastidious about getting the details right, I'm always trying to make sure that we, we land where people can find it comfortable and edifying and not threatening. And, and the same goes for the paintings on this, and the same goes for the writing you can read and Discover Jesus app. It's all, it's all keyed to be like steps on a ladder, not a ladder with no rungs, that you know is going somewhere wonderful, but you can't climb. Uh, that, that, that's really I important. But yeah. I think it's Bye. that balancing act, Gary, too, between perfectionism, when when we do want to strive to be perfect, and we, a lot of us have that in us that we want something to be perfect, and yet the celestials, God will use what we put out there, and we don't know. I, I would never probably have read the Urantia book without your cover. Your cover oh, was yeah. so beautiful that like, and it took two and a half years and several different times where my son had it laying on the table who has not read it yet himself, where I was like, that is so pretty. And I just stopped because I've always loved the earth from outer space, but you captured something more than just that. And that's what led me to reading part four. That was my introduction to it. So. That, that's very humbling to hear. I, and it reminds me of something, and I'm sorry, we're sort of hijacking the conversation for a moment, but I was just something I'd been contemplating for about a decade. The, the concept of if God was working in time, what would God do in time? Would God do something existentially and eternally perfect in time? And it wouldn't make any sense to the people that that perfection was being done to? Or would God strike step exactly at that time in those circumstances, then act then to do the most valuable point at that point in that experience. And the, the, the answer to me is easy. The best way to do have effective change is to move one step forward. Uh, when we're ex experiential beings, there's no way of shortcutting ourselves to perfection. God would never be so naive as to try and act existentially in time. That's the, uh, the act is ours. The consequences are God's. It's us doing those steps, and I think it's really important to remember that that if we, if we want 
it's better to move slowly in the right direction than be idealistically looking to a horizon we don't know the direction of. Talking exactly about Eve's dilemma, mm-hmm. right? Like she All wanted right. to, she and came up with this plan with him to like sort of jump it. Um, mm-hmm. And no, well, paper fi- paper fifty three was the same thing. It's, it's all it's all basically a shortcut, and we still. I, I often joke about people today wanting, you know, people want fast food, they want fast car, they want fast internet, they want patience, but they want that patience immediately. <laughs> and these things are, these things are, are, are dichotomy on there. This world that there's this lack of the, uh, uh, there's patience seems like laborious, but really it isn't. It patience, if you engage with it, that is actually fortifying, and you're more conscious about each, each step of the effort. And I think that's what, what Jesus teaches that in. Uh, part four of the arrangement book. He, he teaches it beautifully. And for somebody that used to be in a hurry, I, I've been working on that. Centerforunity.org. And Gabriel and Lisa and Mike and Gary and Santiago, thank you all. It's been a real honor to sit in and talk to you about all this stuff. And so hopefully you've been able to gain a real appreciation for the projects that the Center for Unity have underway. And any way that you can support this this team is much appreciated. And of course, always a a thank you for stopping by and enjoying the Urantia Radio podcast. And we look forward to having these people back on again soon.